This is a podcast from meow.net. Meow! Common Practice, a monthly podcast about the things people do. Things to do with creativity, collaboration, cultural democracy and the commons. Hello and welcome to another edition of Common Practice. Today I'm talking to Kastab and Sophia from Open Radio. Hello, you two. Hi, Owen. Thanks for having us on the show. (laughs) That's fine. Now... I first came across Open Radio, I'll confess, when we worked with you on the Pixlake Festival. And I never managed to get to the workshop because there were major clashes in my schedules. So can we just start at the beginning? Because I'm sure you explained this to everybody previously. But tell me about Open Radio. I know it started when you two met in 2006 in Delhi. Is that correct? I think that's when the seeds were planted. It took a little while for the garden to kind of, um, yeah, uh, yeah, become what it is now. But uh, yeah, um, I think we kind of like started collaborating on a few different radio projects when we uh, uh, when we first met in 2006 in Delhi, and uh, since then have kind of on and off thought about uh, um, yeah, open radio. and uh, I think in the back of our mind that it it was just it was just it just always existed, but we kind of forgot to tell people about it until about a year and a half ago or two years ago. <laughs> well, there there were a, a few factors in that. One was, I, I mean, part of the genesis of it was that we kept meeting people who wanted to start a radio station, and what we realized was that they didn't necessarily want the whole infrastructure; they just needed a platform, and they had stuff you know they have projects and material but um there was a challenge of creating a platform that wasn't going to be like somebody in control and a bottleneck to people getting their stuff out so a couple of things happened that really got us rolling was we um we found a software platform that enabled us to give people their own separate logins and run their own race and do their own thing so we can kind of schedule people and then they can get on with it so we're not the bottleneck to them doing their shows. And um, the pandemic really kicked us into gear because then we suddenly had a lot more people approaching us saying they wanted to stream stuff and do things remotely so those, you know, the um, different uh, tech stack giving us more options to decentralize a little bit and the increased interest in doing remote and streaming stuff with the pandemic were two things that really got us moving. Okay, two two immediate questions there, Sophia. Firstly, what, was, what is the platform you found? Because I think some of our listeners will be interested in that. Um, uh, we use Azuracast, and I'll let Costa speak to that because he does a lot of the maintenance on that. Uh, so our current platform um, is um, it's still using what uh, what's kind of been the core of uh, um, how we've understood in open source internet radio for over the last uh, uh, 
almost a couple of decades now, but uh, things have definitely gotten better in terms of like the um, like automation and the uh, user experience for administrator administrators and broadcasters on a station. And there's a few different projects out there, but the one we chose to go with is called Azura Cast, and they um, uh, basically. Uh, um, Use a few. There's a few different moving parts here. They rely on the IceCast uh, open source uh, internet uh, radio streaming uh, um, um, uh, project, but uh, with a f- uh, but have have built a bunch of their own automation tools on top of that to enable live and scheduled programming that can be managed all using a web interface once you have it all set up. So uh, we evaluated a few different open source projects and then went with AzuraCast because it kind of works uh, nicely for the kind of live stuff we do, but also lets us do scheduled thing, scheduled uh, um, playlists and um, uh, uh, broadcasts of various types when we need to, like we did with Pixelake, for example where it was a good mix of a bunch of live uh, uh, programming um, along with pre-recorded scheduled um, 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 r- radio that we scheduled over a week or so, yeah. Okay, my second question then is, and this is just a, a definitional question, I think, what in your mind is the difference between internet radio and podcasting? Or is there one? We have a, a strong um, emphasis and uh, on live streaming and live radio performance, and the setup we use privileges that. So we podcasting by definition technically can never be live. Um, that's just the nature of the technology. So we don't actually offer on-demand audio not at the moment at least, uh, basically you had to be there for the show or for the repeat, but <laughs> it's, it's happening at a specific time. And, um, yeah, what, there, there are a lot of reasons why we're sort of privileging live. One is because people can podcast in lots of places, but accessing um, a platform for a live performance is a little bit harder if you don't want to go with proprietary platforms like Facebook so that's where we see there being more of a gap and also there are um, different different emphasis in production practice for live stuff that um, that we're interested in um, supporting uh, people who won't necessarily have a big uh, set of resources for post-production. Um, they, there's still resource implications for doing something live. You have to sort of produce stuff up front more. But, yeah, it's a different it's a different uh, niche that we feel is really underserved. And um, personally, I have a passion for live broadcasting. So we, we do do playlist stuff. We do support playlist stuff. But the platform we're using always bumps the live thing first and live things would always take precedence. So that's the setup we have and, and that's a little bit of why we're doing it that way. Does live radio have cultural consequences that podcasts miss, do you think? Or is this just a personal preference and enthusiasm? Do you want to unpack that question a bit more? 
Well, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the use value, and I'm thinking that one of the things that happens with radio is that you, the point of contact is the radio station, not the individual program. Whereas if you listen to this podcast, then this podcast is available where podcasts are available, and nobody ever listens to or could listen to all the available pro- podcasts on that stream. So therefore, I presume the point of contact is with the individual podcast. So I, I'm interested in in Sheila's late night music, or whatever. Yes, I, or Bobby's dubstep, and that's what I go and I look to see where it's available, and that's what I find. And I listen to that as I want to listen to it, going to the shops, on the bus, on the metro, etc. But I don't necessarily identify with Apple Podcasts or Anchor FM in any way at all. But I presume with open radio, from what you've just said about live streaming, for many people, the point of contact will be open radio. Or am I wrong? Well, I think we're doing something that's a little bit in between there because the projects that are with us now are all very much BYO audience. So we're not a radio station in the sense that we don't cultivate a particular demographic or have a sound. We invite uh, projects that can be from all over the place. We have projects that broadcast in different languages and they all have different audiences and they bring their own audiences. There is the scope for an audience to come for one project uh, through their networks and then find another project. And as we build up momentum, uh, we expect to have more of that kind of crossover and become somewhere where listeners can find things they're not expecting. But that's that's the, the kind of uh, radio-ness, if you like, that I think we're, we're trying to find a way to, to engage with, which is that moment when you scan the dial and you find something you're not expecting. We're definitely looking to that as a possible way to interact with open radio. But, yeah, the, at the moment, projects bring their own audience. And just like trees prefer to grow in a forest, we think that having stuff on on the platform will encourage different projects to come. So we're trying to really foster our initial sort of crop of projects to be as diverse as possible and to have as different audiences as, as they wish, not a kind of one-stop shop for a particular audience. Right. Well, so what kind of projects would you be interested in? Are you interested in? Um, Kosa, do you want to speak about the projects that we've already got and we feel this one? Um, yeah, so um, uh, so at the moment, we, uh, well, other than uh, recently hosting Pixel Lake uh, uh, Festival Radio, which was, which of course, like had a very diverse set of like uh, um, makers and uh, content, uh, um, uh, we also have a few projects that are sort of yeah quite regularly semi-regularly broadcasting on open radio and they range from uh for example a feminist artist platform based in greece to an an artistic research project um you know based between like germany and helsinki and a few other places and yeah and a couple of other things that basically like can be either one off or or could be like could be a, 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 a maker who wants to do something regularly if it's like once a few once every few weeks or once every few months. 
there's a few prerequisites. One of them being uh, what it says on the packet. Open radio means we uh, well we only will broadcast something that is open content and uh, um, and freely available under uh, um, under a license that is not yeah that is not commercial say um, and. And of course, we have a set of like kind of uh, values that uh, people need to kind of like, yeah, align with uh, for us to give them uh, uh, to be for us to be able to platform them. Uh, but uh, other than that, other than that, I don't think we uh, we we're very uh, set in terms of like specific thematic uh, areas or uh, kind of uh, programming or kind of content. It um, um, so yeah, we're we're open uh, and we're willing to talk to people who want to make interesting content uh, and and don't want to put it in uh, in uh, uh, on on corporate ecosystems that are unfortunately um, controlling how a lot of content today on the internet is consumed and uh, and yeah so if they want to like produce good open content radio and um, um, we will talk to them and try and provide them a platform to be able to do that. So how do people contact you through the website, which is openradio.in, or how? Yeah, that's the that's the best way to contact us. There's a contact form there. There's also a newsletter, which really it's not very regular, so don't feel like we're going to spam your inbox, but we will share news when something's happening, for example, when we've got workshops coming up and things. Um, we also have social media feeds you can follow and all of that's on the website so that's the best place to find us in terms of like yeah projects that we're kind of actively inviting we're not we don't have a house sound or a particular style but it it, it would be like I guess we kind of particularly want to encourage projects that are not the usual suspects in terms of having access to radio production spaces um so yeah we're we're particularly if you think that maybe it's not for you get in touch you could be wrong (laughs) (laughs) okay well Sophia you were just mentioning then workshops and one of the things that occurs to me and you also mentioned earlier uh, BYO audiences do people have to bring their own technical skills if I came to you as a project and I had some, an interesting idea, well, an idea that I thought was interesting, and then I persuaded you that you thought it was interesting. And then I said to you, well, you know, I don't actually know much about this. How do I do it? Is there some way in which I can learn from you, or do I have to already know this stuff? Oh, absolutely not. You can come as you are. <laughs> um, we we have... We have an onboarding process where we get people familiar with our system. The fact is that even if people have radio experience or audio experience, they don't necessarily have experience of streaming. So we onboard everybody onto the peculiarities of our system and make sure they're all set up to do that. And it's not hard, but it's not something that you're just going to wake up knowing one day unless someone shows you. So... So we, yeah, we take people through the steps. Um, one of the reasons why we kind of scheduling workshops is because there are common sets of of issues that that come up that come up a lot, particularly if people haven't done much radio before, and um, also doing group workshops 
helps people, you know, kind of learn from each other as well as what we can pass on. We don't currently um, offer a lot of support for basic audio stuff because there are other places where you can get that knowledge. But all the all the streaming related stuff, we we have a quite a comprehensive onboarding and we have a online community where people can ask for help from us or from each other. Actually, most, uh, in fact, like most of the makers that we work with right now, the projects that we host, uh, they had almost almost very little to almost no no experience having done any kind of live streaming before. And um, yeah, so we just have, and and we've also been learning on how we can make this whole onboarding process more efficient and easier to uh, to get uh, get people up and running quickly and uh, uh, and yeah and which is why now we want to kind of like do these workshops over the next little while which we'll announce soon as we have uh, have, have have things in place but uh, but yeah there's like Sophia mentioned there's a set of there's a set of like practices and a, and a set of tools that uh, are pretty cl- cross platform now to be able to jump in and start doing live streaming um, um, so. Yeah, if people think that like that that's a barrier to entry, yeah, again, like come talk to us. It, and I think you you'd be surprised how yeah um, how easily you can actually get up and running and and get on uh, yeah get go live on the radio. Okay, that sounds great. So people should definitely contact you if they have something. Yeah, there's there's information on our website about you know what kind of projects we can support. The main limiting factor is is our time we're both kind of working mostly voluntary on this we did have a small grant from taiki the finnish arts council um that's helping us to sort of run more workshops and stuff over the next while um but but yeah it's streaming's not hard and we also we have a kind of a a a two-step thing where we have a kind of a sand pit that people can play in before they go live on to the stream. So like people get a chance to try to learn and then to try stuff out and make mistakes in a, in a safe environment before going live. So it's, so we're kind of, yeah, set up for, for learning and trying, encouraging people to try out different setups, depending on what they want to do. If they want to broadcast like from a park or, from their house or with people who are in different places um so you know there's room to experiment where do you see where would you like this to be in in where would you like the project to be in two or three years time assuming assuming you know everything went as well as it could more projects more people involved more gardeners more stuff growing in the garden um pixel lake that you mentioned was kind of our first outing as do we have are we set up to run a really busy schedule and that was so that was our kind of test drive proof that we can support more projects so now we're kind of looking to onboard a bunch more projects by the end of the year hopefully well i think from the pixelake end i think the uh, the whole thing worked very well and it i don't think i Suspected it was your first project, if you know what I mean. Your first big project, your first uh, action-packed project. So I think I think the system the system you developed works exceedingly well. So you you would like to see more. Are you looking for funding for this, or are you looking for ways in which you can raise money to do this, or is it going to continue on a voluntary basis? 
both. We're in the same position running this podcast. I could I could say that we we don't have any grants, so this is a, a question I'm personally interested in as well. Uh, I think the short answer is both. Um, <laughs> we we always want the the basic core operations to be able to continue whether we get funding or not. So we you know that's why we've grown it slowly as well. At the moment, server costs and stuff are coming out of pocket and so we'd like it in terms of making it continue to be available we are looking at ways to make it sustain itself so that we can afford to keep doing it um, and we're sort of looking at a bunch of different models for that at the moment we don't have a formal structure it's kind of operating as a um, social project off the side of our freelancing so yeah, there's a few there's a few op- options there that we're not planning to take advertising. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> no, I wasn't asking that. It's, uh, more at the other end. I mean, we've discussed this here in terms of these these podcasts, which are working exactly the way you're describing, and we also want to make certain that our core activities aren't grant aided in a way that make us. Uh, part of somebody else's policy where we're being told, ah, next year, if you want your grant, you need to focus more on this. And I I think both Sophie and I have had, in our histories, we've had uh, situations in which that's occurred. So we're also trying to find ways in which we can get specific project funding for something. You know, we want to do these six podcasts, bang. But you don't get to decide what the whole of Meow is about. Well, yeah, that's one approach that we're looking at. And, you know, for example, uh, doing Pixel Lake uh, Festival brought in specific income that I earned some money working on it. And while we were doing that, we were able to create some materials that we can reuse as part of our other, other resources. So getting paid projects that help us create resources that everyone can use is one strategy. Um, Having a mix of free and paid places in workshops is another strategy we're looking at. Doing more festivals on a kind of project basis is another thing that we can offer. So we're, we're looking at a bunch of different ways that we can enable projects that have funding to contribute to the ongoing situation for so that we can always say yes to projects that don't have funding. Right. Final question. Are, are there wider federations for uh, open source radio? Are you part of a kind of larger global community or does such a thing not exist? There's definitely a pretty large community of uh, people working towards like open content, open uh, uh, open content broadcasting, uh, and that, and again, like some of these things overlap a bit. Some of these things are kind of independent of each other. But but yeah, so there's like definitely communities in like the art space, in like the more kind of music space, and then and, and and like in yeah in like political spaces. But also a lot of this, uh, it's a it's a pretty there's a pretty strong technical community who are building open source tools to enable uh, this kind of autonomous uh, 
uh, uh, open uh, broadcasting. Um, and yeah, I think both Sophia and I are part of various uh, uh, various communities such as these. Um, and uh, to, so the answer to that question is uh, yes, there are definitely very strong communities with the same kind of like kind of focus and vision that we have, and uh, we love working with some of them. So we're definitely a part of some of them in different capacities. Um, and uh, we are hoping that uh, yeah, like we don't have a we don't have a formal membership of the global open content radio. <laughs> federated if that's what you mean there isn't like a global formal organization or something but radio is a network medium and people who make radio tend to network with each other um for example during pixel lake we had some fantastic artists from pinode radio who were doing residency with them cult um who um syndicated our stream of the festival to their network so you know we're also interested in reciprocally um, broadcasting other open content radios and we're looking at building up relationships where we kind of showcase other open content broadcasters for periods of a time and give them uh, give them ups on our website and try to bring different audiences to those as well so yes there's there's a high level of community and support amongst people who who do this kind of thing. It's really nice. Okay. Radio people are so lovely. <laughs> All right. Then. Well, let's stop there, and um, hopefully we'll have a, another chance to have a chat some point in the not too distant future. But for now, thank you very much, Sophia and Kustab. Thank you. Now that you've heard the podcast, you can go to the website to find out more details, including references and links. The website's at meow.net. That's M-I-A-A-W dot net. See you there.